I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Sometimes in business, you have to just push through fear because you have to. That's what's required of you as a business owner in that moment. Doesn't mean we're not scared and we don't want to move forward. It does mean that we have to make hard decisions. After nearly 26 years in business, Jan Brown, owner of Jan's Pet Sitting, has done just that time after time. Today, she joins us to share about how she does that, what it means to have excellent customer service, and why building relationships is the bedrock of a solid business. Let's get started. Well, thank you, Colin, and thank you for inviting me. I'm just thrilled to be here. Um, I've had my pet sitting business for 25 years. Um, I started in 1996, 1997. I'm also a Pet First Aid CPR instructor. I have previously taught classes in starting a pet sitting business as well as disaster preparedness for pets. Um, I'm Fear Free certified. I'm CPPS through PSI. Just recently got my uh, certificate, uh, my basic certificate in human resources management. That's a lot of stuff that you that you have on on your name, Jan. Why was it important? a lot of years? Yeah, why why was it important for you to seek after those to become more educated in my field? Um, the pet first aid there was a demand for it, and it's also a way for me to teach my staff and get them trained in it. Uh, the CPPS I wanted to learn as much as I can, and as well as the Fear Free Certified. And the human resources, I have an interest in that and helping other pet sitters. But also because I have employees, it helps me knowing what I can legally say or do or not. (laughs) Which is really important. And, you know, I like what you're saying there is a lot of this is this information's out there. How can I be best equipped for that? And I can start applying it and helping my staff. You know, you're an instructor for Pet First Aid and CPR. You could go and have them take a class, or you yourself could teach your staff. You, you can outsource a lot of HR, or you yourself right. can implement a lot of that in your business. So I think judging and going, where are my interests? Where are my concerns? And how do I see where I fit in that matrix? You didn't start off as a pet sitter in the, in the late 90s, I assume. You had a before times of what you were doing. So what, what came before life as a pet sitter? Before that, I was working in the corporate world. I was working for a biotech company doing admin. And I was thinking about doing something else, looking for another company, different field. I was even considering going back to school. And the gal who at the time who pet sat for me, her husband worked for the airlines and he had put in for a transfer, you know, hurry up and wait, one of those types of things. And out of the blue one day, I said to her, if your transfer ever comes up, I might be able to be wanting to pick up your business thinking eight, nine, 10 months down the road. Hmm. I come back from a trip 10 days later. She says, our transfer came through. Here's my client list. Bye. <laughs> Now she had, now do know she had a very small business. Okay. Um, She probably had 30 clients and she did a lot of overnights for her clients, but her clients were further South than me. And at the time it was all I could do to get from my home to where I worked, Never mind doing additional drive time. So I let a lot of those clients go, but a few stayed with me. What was that decision like? Because I can imagine being just kind of like handed of like, okay, here's a business. I mean, 30 doesn't sound like a lot, but that's still a lot to manage and getting to know them and everything like that. How was it taking on all that responsibility all of a sudden? I'm relatively an organized person, but remember that they all didn't start calling me. This was, you know, 25 years ago. So they weren't all just calling me. The ones that wanted overnight and were south, I let them go. I didn't do those. I just kept a very small minority of them. But people started to hear about me. And so then, you know, someone at work one day said, hey, I hear you do pet sitting. I need help, blah, blah, blah. And that's just kind of how it started. And after about a year of working in the corporate world and kind of doing this, I finally decided, just take the plunge and do it. <laughs> what was the, what? <laughs> it, it is a plunge, right? You reach that point where you're like, okay, like I'm either going to do this or I'm not. Uh, in, well, and so you have that decision. What was it that pushed you over into going, okay, this is something that I can do full time? 
Um, part of it was ignorance. because you looking back now i'm like oh you didn't consider this this or this right but i i'd gotten to the point i knew in the corporate world if i went to another company different people it would be the same problems different faces and i was really considering at the time going back to school part-time and I never did. I thought at the time pet sitting would be a way for me to get income while I was going back to school. I never did. And um, it just happened. After about a year, I'm like, I can't take this anymore. I'm quitting. I figured that I forget what it was. I think I figured in my head back in the day that I needed to do, I think, a minimum of six jobs a day to be able to pay the basic bills. But you know, I wasn't really considering things like estimated taxes and all that little fun stuff, you know, <laughs> oh, that. but it was a start. It was a start. Yeah. And I think finding our motivations to start anything is hard. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it starting is. a business going out on your own is a big step. But I think a lot of times we forget that we start things, little things every day, right? We start new ad campaigns. We start a new rebrand. We start new ad copy. We start new hires. We start new services. We're starting things constantly. And I think reflecting on those motivations really yeah. helps us to put a lot of that into into context and keep us moving forward right. and continuing to do that. Because right. we have to start if we're going to you know keep <laughs> keep going. <laughs> now, you, you, you know, this, you mentioned a couple of times, this is all in the context of this being in the late nineties and you're in the, in the, in the Bay area out in, out in California. So what was the, the scene for pet sitting back like then? Um, it was very different. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have any of that. Cell phones were just starting to come into popularity and you didn't use them because back in the day i mean you didn't use them unless you had to it was something like 40 45 cents per minute to use your cell phone (laughs) so you know we kept those to a minimum our major form of advertising back in the day was the yellow pages Mm. you know we didn't have all the online stuff or leaving our business cards up somewhere we didn't have things like next store craigslist any of that when you reflect on it how how do you think that shaped how you continue to operate today because coming up in that kind of almost like it's kind of it feels very restrictive in today's environment to have only have these outlets or only have these options of getting connected with clients what kind of things do you feel like you still like to operate based off of how you started back then I still believe a lot in the one-on-one interaction with the clients. Yeah. Um, Yes. A lot of things are now done by email or that, but it does help to pick up the phone once in a while. Um, I still want them for the most part for the new clients to meet me because I am the face of the business. So I try to do the meet and greets. Yeah. I mean, the yellow pages are long gone. You know, I don't, I don't put flyers up anymore. I don't really leave, you know, I leave business cards. I'm very select where I leave them. I don't leave a lot. You know, you mentioned one of the things about the cell phones and that level of communication. It was very costly back then. I remember the, yeah. when they started to get some more unlimited plans, those commercials that said mama had a baby, it's a boy. I don't know if you remember those. <laughs> when the, no. Those were national. <laughs> I, it, it's, that's one of the things I have. I don't have room in my brain for a lot, but that's still in there. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what it forced, you know, what, what you have to do in those situations is you have to decide, is this worth the phone call? Is this worth elevating this yes. to this the, to this other level of communication? And I, I think that's kind of something that may be a little lost because we are um, we have a riches of communications now. It's right. very cheap. It's very easy to communicate in a thousand different ways. Hey, absolutely. So, so how, how do you know when it's time? to pick up that phone call and, and, and to make that to the client? Um, if a client has a complaint, I'm, you know, I, I'm not talking so much a little minor thing, but if there's a complaint or there's an issue, I'm picking up the phone. Mm. Um, 
I'm usually picking up the phone if I see a booking come through from the client in our booking system and it just doesn't look right to me. Like every so often, I'll have a client that will book one visit. And yeah, we get that, you know, client only needs a visit for one day, but I'll usually, I know the client usually, and I'll pick up the phone and say, is that what you really meant? Or are there other visits? Because sometimes clients make a mistake. And um, yeah. And I think that that shows a lot of 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 care and intent on your part that is really received by the client when you take mm-hmm. the time to make that phone call you know i I think it's kind of progressed now where texting is the preferred form of communication. It's kind of important and more formal to make that phone call. It used to be you would you know phone calls were the rage, and everybody if you want to make an impact, you wrote a letter all right to yeah. to impact somebody somebody. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. I, knock on wood, have avoided texting with my clients. I'll do email. I'll do phone calls. They can contact me through the, you know, never really cared for texting. I do it more now with my staff, but even at time, I kind of tried to limit it. But we get enough emails and everything. I don't want to be having to keep on top of text. And then I'm looking at this number and I'm like, who is this? Mm. You know, who's texting me about a thing. And, you know, this is Susan and I've got 10 Susans, you know? So I try to avoid that. Yeah. I just well, never got it started. And again, I think it's, it's understanding what am I, what is the purpose of this communication? How, what's the role of this with customer service of, I don't want to inundate somebody with constant messaging. Um, yeah. I want to make sure that when I am communicating, it's, it's intentional and it's purposeful right. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So beyond phone calls, how do you focus on, on that customer service aspect? Cause I know that's an, that's an area where, a lot of people get into business and they operate their business and all of a sudden they realize, oh, I, I still have to work with people. Uh, I can't just <laughs> I can't just call the cats and have them pay me or whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of people in years past, other sitters, tell me that they got into this business because they don't get along with people. Mm. Well, If you don't get along with people, I don't think you're going to last too long in this business because if you can't sell yourself and your company to the client, you've got to be able, even if the client's calling you with a complaint and you think the client is just full of it and you think the client's, you know, way off base, you still have to call and you have to resolve it. Yeah. It's, it's all communication. It's, you know. This is a people business. Yeah, we rarely, you know, once we meet the clients, we usually don't see them again unless they happen to be home when we go there. But that initial thing, yeah, it's, you've got to sell yourself to the client. Yeah, it's one of those unintentional decisions that we make when we go into business of, oh, this is now a problem that I am taking on, right? Me, as I'm running my business, this is now on my plate of things to deal with when it comes up. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like. Yeah, I've, it's a phrase I've heard before. It's it's not my fault, but it is my problem. Uh, yes, like you said, the client may have complete baseless claims and be off their rocker, but you still need to deal with it. And I think very importantly, you said that resolve that, bring it to an actual conclusion within your power and ability, without compromising yourself and and your policies. And that can be a hard line to walk sometimes. It is. It is. You know, I think as pet sitters, I think we want to please everyone. And maybe what I would have done for a client 10 years ago, I'm not as inclined to do it anymore. Um, (laughs) And I have to remind myself, like, I mean, we all have clients. It's like, I don't want to go there. Either it's a little too far or the cat's a hassle, whatever it is. And I have to remind myself that most of the time it's my sitters going to these jobs. I don't hear them complaining. Mm. Um, But like earlier this year, I had a client that booked and she booked with us before and she wanted the one visit on one day of the week her garbage day. She wanted us to do it in the evening so that we could bring in her empty garbage cans. And 10 years ago, I probably would have worked around it. But now I'm saying, no, 
we we can't. If it, I mean, it's different if we already plan to be in the area or something. But if it's a once a day, no, we can't. And I in California, you know, not every state's the same. I have to pay my sitters for drive time and mileage. I don't want to send them back out for just one visit for something like that. That's where a lot of this, all of a sudden we start overlaying our different hats of the customer yes. service side is like meet needs of customer, do what they want. And yes. then this kind of operations manager comes in and is like, no, you no. can't do that. You will make no money. It's not no worth money. the trip. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, so I've had to say no a couple of times to things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That the, the scheduling of visits is, is tough because we tend to get the receipt of, you know, the client requests, you know, they may say a seven, a two and a nine. And my first instinct is to always go, okay, well, that's what the customer asked for. So I'll just, we'll just book it and put it in. Um, yeah. But was taking that second step back and going, but does that fit? Can I yeah. make that work? Does it need to be those times or did they just throw them on paper? Because a lot of times yeah. they just kind of throw them out there and like whatever. And, yeah. <laughs> and remembering we have agency to within reason and health of the pet and around their normal schedule to, to make adjustments to those so that it is more sure. efficient sure. for us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Especially with these days with prices of gas and everything. Gas. We, we can't just be going, oh, I'll make one trip out there and it's, you know, no. 40 minutes away. It's like, no, yeah. that's not feasible, right? No, it isn't. <laughs> and it's a reminder that customer service isn't just about giving them what they want. It's about, you still have to resolve while maintaining your business and its integrity and, and without sacrificing everything at the at the, at their feet, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, back in the late nineties, you say you started with a goal of providing compassionate professional pet care services. Tell us about that goal and why that's important to you. Well, if someone's coming in to take care of my cats, I want them to treat my animals as if they're their own. And I want to do the same thing for our clients' animals. It, I mean, it's plain and simple. Um, I want to have this. I want to know clients want to know that you love their animals just as much as they do. It was always there. I never really thought about it much. But we go in, we take care of those animals like they're our own. You know, even if they're a little uh, squirrely or whatever. It <laughs> <laughs> can happen. But you, and you have to kind of sometimes look beyond it. Um, like I just recently, I had a cat that we've taken care of this cat on and off for years. Not that often, but enough that cat will never come out from under the bed for me mm. i went over last week i don't know what changed that cat decided he was coming out of the bed and i sat on the floor and he was my best friend <laughs> you know so you know things like that i had another cat um needed insulin and cats on insulin they have to eat immediately before you give them the insulin injection yeah. this cat was not going to eat i don't care we tried true we tried you know fancy feast you name it we tried it <laughs> and he's just like no 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 finally i figured out one day i sat on the couch and he kind of looked like he wanted up so i brought him up on my lap and he's laying there and purring away and after about 5 minutes i just thought hmm and the food dish was next to me on the floor. And I just get casually picked it up, put it down in front of him. He's still on my lap. He starts eating, hmm. you know? So it's a lot of, it's just kind of finding the way to work around it. Yeah. What, that, yeah. That, that's where that compassion comes in. You, you have concern, right? You, you are, you are sympathetic towards the, the, oh. the plight and how somebody's doing or, or how they're feeling. That goes both for our human clients, that goes for our furry and finned and otherwise uh, <laughs> clients. Exactly. And it feeds into how we operate, too, of going, exactly. if I don't come in through this door with compassion for those that I'm caring for, I'm going to act very differently, right? I'm not going to be concerned if they eat. I'm not going to be worried about this other stuff. I'm not. Right. And, and you stop meeting their needs. So much can go wrong. In a, in a job, I always tell my staff, we are one second away from a disaster happening. That could be 
you know, something like the cat got locked in the bathroom or whatever, but it's, you know, or you just left that door open a second too long. All of a sudden we have an escaped animal, that type of thing. So you just always have to be aware and you have to look at what can become a problem. What you and I, you know, we probably wouldn't do a lot of things in our house, but we walk into clients' homes and I'm seeing these loose frayed cords or whatever. And I'm like, oh my goodness, get those out of the way or the plastic bags, you know? Uh um, Yeah. We had a cat one time, cat got a plastic bag wrapped around his neck. Was under the bed. Yeah. The sitter found him. Yeah. If she hadn't have looked under the bed, she never would have seen it. You just never know. You don't. And it it takes that level of attention. And sometimes you can be in a rush. Sometimes it's hard to teach these things to other people if you bring on staff and recognize it, it, it's about paying attention. One thing for us is we yeah. sometimes care for people, but it's been increasingly people living in brand new home construction. And one thing about brand new home construction, those backyards are just filled with glass and rebar and all sorts of stuff. And oh, it's like, yeah. it's like, what are we looking for? How are we focusing on this? Are we picking that up? Where are we putting it? It's all these little things that is, where does that come from? It's because we care so much. And that's why we have to take time off. We have to share this burden with other people because if we don't, no one can sustain that level of concern and no. sympathy for anybody for in- indefinitely. No. And I mean, when you start doing this for long enough, you, you stuff's going to happen. Okay. I don't care. You can be the most conscientious pet sitter. Stuff is going to happen. And I've had more than one client kind of look at me uh, like, I explain why we need two keys and they're looking at me like, yeah, right. And I've told a few clients, look, I can write the book on problems with keys. We want two keys and this is why. And, you know, but yeah, clients don't always, you know, understand. They don't, they haven't experienced it. Some of the things I've had happen in my, you know, pet sitting career. I learned from them. I never would have thought that that would have been a problem or, you know, and then it's like, oh, okay. You know, so, yeah. yeah it's- for, for us, when we first started, we did, uh, ev- we would allow every other day cat visits. That oh, was something okay. that we allowed, right? And that's a lot. I know a lot of people do that. Yeah. We encountered a few incidents where the cat was injured on the off mm-hmm. day. It either was like one of them was running through the the carpet and like ripped out a, a toenail and stuff and was limping. It was, yeah. it was awful, right. Coming in to find that. Uh, oh, yeah. And another one, you know, a cat got stuck behind a door and uh, it's, so when we tell clients, well, we require a minimum of once a day. I actually, I had a recent I had a client go, why it's yeah. a cat. And I was like, I, yeah, I know. That's just what we require. We've had these yeah. things happen. And he responded with, well, I've never had that happen to me. And I was like, I, I I know (laughs) you've had one cat for five years. I've seen hundreds of them for 25 years. (laughs) (laughs) But that that kind of, again, kind of taking that moment to step back and breathe and go, okay, this person, they don't know. It's not their fault. They're they're speaking from their experiences. Yeah. So I've got a, this is an educational opportunity right now. And I have to take advantage of that. I'm going to write a book someday. <laughs> I, these are going to be really good. <laughs> Have you heard of Time to Pet? Claire from Acting Critter Sitters has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. Jan, part of that, of... of the way you have those those experiences and when you when you talk with clients i know in this industry we we're, we're told a lot that we need to be positioned as uh, an expert and as an authority figure in in your area and 
what does that mean to you when, when someone when someone says, "Are you an authority for your clients? Are you do you are you viewed as an expert to them?" Yes and no, but I don't like to push myself off on my clients that I'm an expert. I will make suggestions, mm. you know, be it for automatic feeders or food, or if I think something's going on, I could be 100% positive this cat is diabetic, undiagnosed, but I will never tell that to the client. I will say, you know, his excessive drinking of water or whatever it is are signs he needs to see the vet. Mm. It could be something serious. I will never, you know, say this is what I think. But I suggest, you know, and you have to be careful. One time years ago, I had a client that called me. Her cat needed something, some pill. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what it was for. I want to say it was an upset stomach. And I hadn't worked for this client in several months. She calls me one day and she says, it was an over-the-counter medicine, I remember. So it was probably Pepsi or something like that. And she says, what is it I'm supposed to give to the cat again when he has an upset stomach? Is it Alka-Seltzer? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that one for years. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm not even sure if I remembered what the medication was. I just said, it is definitely not Alka-Seltzer. Do not give Alka-Seltzer. Call your vet. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, what, what I hear when you say that, Janet, is the big step for that is is speaking up, right? And and giving and having yeah. a, a voice for that pet and being an yes. advocate for them when you have concerns. I think yes. to me, that's that's one of the best ways if you're looking of how do I, how do I, get people to see me as not necessarily as authority expert or know it, know it all kind of person, but right. to, to, to view me as someone to go to, well, I'm going to voice concerns when I have them in a respectful, polite way in the you know, customer service hat there, but I'm going to be bold enough to speak up whenever I have those concerns. We just recently right. had um, a dog that we were caring for, for what was it? 12 days while they were traveling over in Europe. And it was an older dog who had lots of little, you know, those little cysts and those things that develop in older dogs. And right. we had one where it was like, this one is not looking good. And the owner wasn't concerned at all, but we just kept pushing and saying, look, here are photos, here are our concerns. And eventually he did say, okay, I, I think we do need to go and get that taken care of to the vet. But we could have easily had just said, okay, well, never mind. It's not a big deal. Yeah. We're gonna, but when you have that concern to, to say something about it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because we clients see, it's like when you have kids, you see your kids every day, you don't really notice that they're growing and everything, right? Yeah. It's the same way with animals. Their clients see them every day and they don't know that notice the subtle changes. And we come in, we haven't been there for two months and I can walk in and I'm like, Oh my God, this cat's lost weight. Something's going on. You know, yeah. 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 And it just takes that time again to be that advocate for them. And that's, that's part of, I think one of the responsibilities that I view ourselves as having of the, look, the owner is not here to speak up for them. And we, we have to do that. That's right. That's, and, and it's not just, Oh, are the living condition some way or whatever, but toys that they have feeding regimes that they have. Again, we're not coming and saying, we know everything we can just no. say, Hey, in our experience, have you thought of this? And that's yeah. all it has to be. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now the the inverse of that obviously is 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 doubting yourself, and so I I did want to know, Jan, if you've struggled with with doubt as a business owner and as a pet sitter over the years. Oh yeah, um, doubt that am I going to have enough clients this month to pay the bills? Um, sometimes it's doubt about. Do I still want to continue doing this seven days a week? Come on, it's, it's a seven day a week job. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think, you know, oh, maybe it's easier if I do it all myself. It isn't, but those thoughts still go through your mind. I couldn't do this without my staff. I could not without my employees. Yeah. Um, you know, in the early days, yeah, the first year or two I could, but no more. 
It's, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we all have doubt, you know, I mean, there still goes through my head sometimes when my phone rings, it's like, oh, what happened now? And we don't get a lot of complaints or anything, but there's still always that nagging thing in the back of my mind that something happened. Yeah. And it's just there, you know? Um, I, I know. For me, whenever I get that phone call, I start doubting, am I going to be good enough for this person? Are they going to choose to go with us? Am I going to be able to meet their needs? You still have those. Like I, I think that yeah. a lot of that is just inherent in what we do because it is service-based, right? It's based on my, my staff, human performance. That exactly. Comes. And is that going to be enough? Exactly. Yeah. I think any business owner always has doubts. I think to some extent it's, it's healthy because it shows that we are thinking and we're concerned about things in our business. Now it can be all consuming. It can drive us to the point of inaction at times, but I think having doubts at least about what we're doing can drive us to make sure that we're always trying to do better, seeking out certifications, talking to the right people, going to conferences, um, really thinking through and hammering out our policies and procedures and kind of letting that fuel how we mold and shape our business. Well, I think COVID was a big one for us as far as doubt. I mean, when we went into shelter in place, I don't think there was a pet sitter alive that wasn't scared. And I wasn't sure my business was going to survive. I mean, it was very scary times. Never had anything like this before. I mean, I survived the dot-com bust and the crash in 28 and 9-11 and all that, but this was totally different. And that's scary. All of a sudden, you know, you've got all these jobs and the next day you have zero jobs. Yeah. It's very scary. But not letting that fear stop you, right? That's that's where the that next step is, is going, okay, how do I assess the situation? And now what do I do about it? So for you in those situations, Jan, mm-hmm. when you are doubting, when you are scared of the next mm-hmm. step, how do you how do you keep pushing forward in that? Well, you have to, mm. you know, or you got to I know some sitters totally closed their doors and went on to do other things. And that's fine and great. You just have to. I was very happy. I was grateful for any client that needed my services. You know, oh, you need me tomorrow? Yeah, I'm there. You know, Um <laughs> That type of thing, but you just have to. Um, and it got it started to get better, but you really learn to, you know, cut corners. I the day after shelter in place, I canceled just about any monthly subscription thing I had. Cancel, cancel, cancel. You know, you just do that. Um, but it got better. It got better. Uh, One thing I did, I was thinking about doing this before COVID hit. I was noticing that the majority of our calls from new clients were for cats, not dogs. And so I was kind of toying with this idea just before COVID hit. And then when COVID hit, I said, we're not doing dog vacations anymore. We'll do cats. We'll do dog midday dog walks. Mm. That's it. So, and that has helped because. We don't have to go there out there as late at night as we used to. Because here, I don't know about there, but here, the dogs, nine times out of ten, do not have free access to a backyard or anything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Those, those, those three a days really do grind you up. Oh, and it really makes yeah. scheduling hard. And it makes it very intensive to know. I've got, I have to schedule somebody for a 6 a.m. and a 9 p.m. Yeah, and something in the middle. And to, to look at how do I take a little bit, and we're noticing the same thing too, Jan. It's interesting you mentioned that, like the new uptick in calls still to this day of, of cats. Um, it feels like all the cat owners came out of the woodwork and went, you know really? what, we'll do this too. <laughs> so uh, it's been, we've been doing this 10 years. I've never had so many phone calls for cats in all my days. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre. I'm, I love it because they're great. I can fill gaps in days. I can put them next to so I don't have standalones. Exactly. And you get a lot of flexibility. And I think that comes with yeah. deciding, what do I want this business to look like? How do yeah. I make this work? And, and for you, you know, being in business for now going on, what, 26 years or so? Yeah. 
of still being able to adapt to those kind of things. Because I think it would have been really easy to just go, nope, this is what we are, do. This is how my business operates. Yes. So yes. How, how, do, how would you encourage us to continue to be flexible and, and adapt uh, to, to things and not get stuck in our ways? It's that's hard because we all get stuck in our little routines and our little ways. I think a lot of times just being on some of the Facebook groups and just reading what other people are doing can give you ideas. You know, like it may work for you. It may not, but it's something to consider talking to other people in the industry. You know, I think that's where networking comes so much in, you know in hand because you start talking to others in in the industry they do things a different way than you hey something might work there or they may give you an idea or why don't you try this but i think that's a lot of it your friends that aren't in the industry they don't get it <laughs> they really <laughs> don't you know but other pet sitters do and there, there's a ton a wealth of knowledge out there. Just start reading some of the groups. You know, you don't have to answer every single one. I sure don't. But I will say, oh, I never thought about that. You know? Yeah, that, that is that is invaluable to just be in a Facebook group. I know, you know, Megan and I, we have, we have our own, but there are so many other wonderful groups out there where if you just are a fly on the wall and watch those questions roll through, You'll right. see things you never would have never thought of thought or expected. Of. Yes. And it's amazing. And I always like to, when I see a question, not jump in and go, oh, this is right, this is wrong, blah, blah, blah. But to go, no, how? what would I do in that situation? Exactly. So, because it might not be pertinent to me right now. You know, we, we see questions in there about livestock sometimes or a lot of aquarium businesses or things like that. It's like, I don't, I don't do any of that, but it's still fascinating to, to think about. Never thought about it. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's when we stop thinking about new things where those ruts start getting dug deeper and deeper. When we stop exposing ourselves to new ways of thinking, new thoughts, new processes, new people, new ideas. Exactly. Where we, we don't have anything but our old habits. And that's all we have left to sit back on. And that's not going to be enough to keep us pushing no. forward. Uh-uh. No. I know for, for me, one of the things that I really struggle with in, in, in our business and just in life in general is I tend to get really focused on my needs, my wants, my tastes, my uh, uh, idea of what needs to happen and forget that I'm serving other people's taste and other other people sometimes <laughs> i know i think i where i you know we went through the, our big rebrand and i was like oh i i love these colors and it was like well yeah but what are they do the clients connect with them do the clients so one thing i know in running a business when it's so personal is the importance of like is, is getting out of your own way at times and recognizing yes. that so how how do you manage to do that? And, and <laughs> it's hard sometimes. It really is hard. I sometimes I just have to remind myself that you know I don't have to necessarily go out and do that visit. That I've got staff that will do it. I, I try to take a deep breath, and I do not. If the client has called or emailed me, and I'm reading this, and I'm just thinking of every you know four-letter word in the book and everything, I do not call that client or respond when I'm upset. Hmm. Um, I'll sleep on it for, you know, the night or something. And usually, or I may call another colleague and say, can you believe this? Blah, blah, blah. But then I eventually get to some resolve within myself on it. And then I can respond and everything's fine. <laughs> just, I just, I, I accept it, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah, it's hard sometimes. It is to take that moment to just pause, sit and reflect and, and be okay with it. And, yeah. and I, I, with writing or with responding, you know, I'll write a response, not in the email, but in a different app and a notes app. So I don't actually hit send, but, <laughs> I, cause that's the, but you know, actually write it out. 
look at that what's going to happen and then and just think and sit on it and reflect and go yes is that actually what's best for me and and just talk through some simple questions to not be always reactive in the moment but going what is this in the best interest of my business um what what role is this playing in the customer service and the perceptions of people that have of me and my company and start thinking a little bit bigger so when i get I, when i get really myopic i do just you know jan i love that going I need maybe to talk to other people and just yeah. think a little bit beyond step one and maybe step two or three and see, <laughs> see where this. I have, up. <laughs> I have often found, especially an email. I mean, come on, we're juggling balls, right? Yeah. We come in, we're checking our email. We want to get through them real quick because we got to go on to the next job or whatever. And I will find that sometimes I misread the client's email. And I think the client's saying, you know, I want you to do A, and I'm thinking, no way, no way. And clients really saying the opposite. Yeah. So I also have to go back and reread the emails because let's face it, we're all in a rush. We're doing emails. Let's get crank out a few, get those off our plate. We're on to the next thing. And that's where sometimes maybe a phone call would be better, right? After we've calmed down and collected ourselves, just to, just to <laughs> <Yes>. clarify, <laughs> re- restating that back out. And like, you wanted yeah. what? And, you know, a, a lot of yeah. times I, I'll misread things when they say like, don't let them out. And I, or they, they say, do let them out. And I think it says, don't let them out. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would they? Why? And I start going off the handle and then Megan will be like, what are you talking about? It says do. And like, oh, oh, cool, cool. That's, that's good. They said that. Cause that's what that needed to happen. Well, okay. Next. <laughs> but, we, <laughs> but, that, but there is that emotional side of the business of, of we, I, I am going to react to certain things and if I'm not aware of what can trigger me or what can drive me to, to think certain ways or how I'm going to respond, if I'm not aware enough of myself, I'm just reacting and flying off the handle constantly. Yes. And, that, yeah. and that's no way to interact no. with a business or interact with your clients at all. No, or even your staff. Oh, you, yeah. yeah. And that's a hard one, not yeah. to be reactive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and have that more level keel. It's not to say we can't be passionate or, or have those emotions, but it's really, what am I doing with them? How yeah. do I use those and not just be the person over here, you know, you know going, going insane, basically. One of the things that I, I, I love, Jan, is that because you've been in business for so long, you have served some of the same clients for a decade or, or more mm-hmm. in some instances. And that's that's not something that Megan and I ourselves have been able to experience. We've moved several times. And so okay. I, I, I did want to know about about that relationship and what it's like serving the same clients for that long. Well, you know, we get a lot of clients. I mean, we're in the Bay Area. It's not cheap here. We get a lot of clients that move away um, <laughs> through the years. But we have some that have been with us and they've been very loyal. Um, We've got some that through the years, they've gotten a little more, what's the word I want? Um, I don't want to say picky, but maybe within themselves, there's stressors there. And now all of a sudden, they want three visits a day for their cats when the cats really only need two. And truthfully, the cat could have one. And why can't you come three visits a day? That was never an issue when we started working for them, you know, 17 years ago. Um, you, but you don't know what's going on in their head either. But at the same time, too, clients are fickle. They will easily, they get upset or something, they'll go elsewhere. It, it's nice when we have the ones that have been with us for a long time, because um, we know it, that we know them, they trust us and everything. But people change, people change, you know. That's a really good reminder is that some, you know, I, I've, I think a lot about, oh, that the pet's going to age and the pet's going to have different needs over that time period, over that time period. Okay. But I, I've never really thought about the fact that the human clients, they, they're going to have changing expectations. They themselves are going to have different outlooks and expectations on you and what okay. they want. And to now I'm not talking to the same person that I was five years ago no. I, and and now I'm interacting with them differently. And there's yeah. a whole new dynamic there. It's a whole new dynamic. Yeah. And, you know, some of these clients were on second and third generations of their animals, you know, yeah. and yeah, but 
they change. Um, and you don't know what's going on in their head. For you, when you're dealing with somebody who you're on second, third generation pet, they've been with you for years and years and years. Are you ever afraid of, of, of saying or doing something that's going to make them leave all of a sudden and stop using you? Um, because I know that's a, a fear that people have of, wow, this is a long-term client. They, they've really helped my business out. They've been very loyal. I need to make sure I do everything I can for that person. How do you find that, that balance? Um, that's not too hard for me because you're going to get that dream client, perfect client, and they're going to move away eventually, you know, right. your top paying client and, you know, be it a midday dog walk or whatever. But I always tell other sitters, someone else, you're going to get someone in to replace that client, be it a couple clients or whatever. Yes. If they're one of your top paying clients, that's a chunk of money. If they travel a lot, it does hurt. But there's always going to be someone else coming in. Um, and so I don't worry too much. I had one client just recently, longtime client, tell me that now she wants, she's getting someone else, I don't know who it is, to stay at her house because there was recently a fire here a couple, three weeks ago. And it came kind of close to her house, not super close, but she's paranoid because the back of her house is kind of like a small canyon. And she's scared that if we're taking care of the cats, we can't get there fast enough to evacuate the cats. And I get that, but we don't offer overnight. So, yeah. you know. That re still recognizing going, okay, how much am I going to, it all kind of boils down to is what this person's asking me what I want my business to look like. Is that, is that, do I, do I want to get, get into overnights just for this one client? Probably not. Probably not. No. Worth it. <laughs> no. 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 It's, it's too, it's too much. And you can understand in California, we have to pay them for their sleep time also. Okay. So it just, it, a cost wise, it's not, no, it's not feasible. No. no. Again, going, I may get back to this customer service, business operations, finance, all these things we're having to keep in constant balance. Right. And that's something that I recognize that clients don't think about at all. They're oh, only no. concerned about no. the customer service side of things because they don't have the finance department over here knocking at their door going that we can't pay for that. Or the operations over here going that the routes don't make sense over here. We, we are the ones that are, that right. are just burdened with that to, to find that balance and how we're going to meet the needs of the client given yes. all the constraints that are on us exactly yeah. exactly yeah. yeah and that takes that takes a lot of, of i think a lot of trial and error sometimes it takes doing some market research knowing your numbers uh to know where where does this line stop for us to meet exactly. the needs of the client exactly i think too when you first start out pet sitting you want to offer everything and everything we all did it and then, you know, after a couple of years, I would do some overnights. And after a couple of years, I'm like, oh, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And now, look, we're not doing dog vacation visits anymore. Yeah. I mean, if it, someone had told me even five, 10 years ago, we wouldn't be doing dog vacation visits. I'd say you're nuts. Hmm. So we pretty much are predominantly cats now. Ten years, five years ago, I couldn't have foreseen that. And I know a lot of people have that mindset of, oh, I can't do that because look at what I'm doing. And I think the fact of the matter is, is you, you can, if that's what you want and you have clientele for it, you absolutely can make yeah. those kind of decisions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, with all the, the changes and you mentioned five, 10 years that you've experienced and adapted to when, when you look ahead to mm -hmm. the next 26 years that you'll be in business uh, and, and beyond. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you see for the, what's coming down the road or, or your hope for the pet care industry? Um, I want to see the industry continue to raise the bar as far as us being professionals. I, I, and if we keep ourselves as professionals and put us out there, it's going to have a, a an effect across the country, you know. Um, yeah, just 
I don't know what the industry is going to change, you know, be like in five, 10 years. I think it's, it's going to continue. It's going to continue. But like when I started, I don't know if you have them there, but out here, when I started my business, you never heard of pet sitters doing dog adventure hikes, for example. And now there's a lot of people that do those. I couldn't have even fathomed it when my I started my business. Just wasn't on my radar. Um, so who knows? I think you're going to see. I think it'll continue to evolve. I really do. Yeah. But it's the professionalism. You know, we are professionals. We're not the kid next door. You know, we're not just doing this on a whim. Yeah. This is our business. Well, and I like the personal agency that that that, that puts on us. Of uh, it's it's on us individually at the individual level to make it exactly. better, to, to do better. And when we all when we all are doing that, it helps everybody. I can't, you know, we do. I feel like we do a ton of client education off of what we do, how we do it, the reason why, the purpose for it, the benefits. I, I do phone calls probably two or three times a day sometimes, where that's uh-huh. all I do of. What do you do? Why? (laughs) And and sure, do I hope that there's a day where I don't have to do that? Absolutely. But I know that there will always be somebody new and doesn't know and understand. That's fine. But the more that each individual person can can continue to take those certifications, get the training, do the community involvement and education, that helps. That helps everybody. And we are able to do new and different things as as we get those skills too. Exactly. Jan, I have really enjoyed our conversation. I'm so thankful for you taking time out of your day. Oh, thank you. It's been fun. It's always great to chat with you. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And uh, But I know that there's a lot more here and um, people may have more questions and, and sure. want to pick your brain on stuff. Uh, how, how can they uh, contact you, um, see everything that you've got going on? Sure. Um, they can contact me by email at info at janspetsitting.com j-a-n-s-p-e-t-s-i-t-t-i-n-g.com um they can find me through my website also jan's pet sitting um and they can call me happy to talk to anyone okay well jan i'll have those links in our show notes on our website for people to get clicked uh, and connected with you um, right. again i i'm very um very thankful for this time together and i really really appreciate it Well, thank you. You have a good day, Colin. My biggest takeaway from my conversation with Jan was the importance of being self-sufficient. Not that we have to go it alone or that we are alone in our business, but we need to be equipped with the tools, knowledge, and understanding of our business and how it operates. And importantly here, if we have an interest, we have a proclivity to do one thing over another to invest in that. If we want to be involved in education, be certified to teach more things for your business. If you want to be more involved with HR or finances or taxes, go and get those certifications. Go and get those education and classes to do those better in your business. You'll be more happy and your business will be better run for it. We want to thank our sponsor today, Time to Pet, and thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back again soon. Oh, my God.